0: Welcome back to The Rob Mana Show, folks. It's Truth Thursday here on Red Voice Media Network. And, you know, political trials of police officers keep destroying people's lives. Uh, and today our guest is uh, going to help me show you the story of former Montgomery, Alabama, police officer Aaron Cody Smith. Due to the political climate across our nation at the time of the shooting, the city of Montgomery was afraid of riots and turmoil. So they decided to railroad this officer who was one of the best at his job and who followed his use of force training to a T. The Montgomery County District Attorney was up for re-election, you see, and saw prosecuting this officer as an opportunity to gain votes uh, with no care whatsoever to the life or lives he was ruining in the process. Well, now Officer Smith is rotting in jail on a political charge conviction. Smith's case went all the way up to the Alabama Supreme Court and although his conviction was recently upheld, many of the justices on the court wrote that it's hard to understand how, if the facts presented were true, Smith could be found guilty but for an incompetent defense and a trial that left him at the mercy of a social movement and political furor, according to the court. These false charges and convictions are destroying lives and they're destroying our justice system, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a major problem in this country. Uh, well, I'm glad to welcome our guest today, who is the wife of Officer Smith. And uh, her name is Ashley Smith. It's good to see you, Ashley. Welcome to The Rob Mana Show. Thank you. Well, Ashley, can you take us through the incident that resulted in your husband being charged? Before I show, I've got a little clip. uh uh, from the news that will show uh, uh, about him being charged. But I want I want you to talk about the incident itself for a few minutes and, and let the audience know exactly what was going on here from the facts perspective.
1: Okay, so um, the night of the incident, he was working um, a solo unit by himself in a high crime area. They had... His supervisors had ordered him to stop anything that moves. There were a lot of break-ins happening. And so they were just needing someone really proactive in that neighborhood um, to figure out who was responsible for the break-ins. And so he, there was a man that fit the description that was walking on the sidewalk. Um, so he stopped. It was about 2, 2.30 in the morning. So he stopped to you know speak with him, just see what he was doing. Um, just a typical Terry stop. Um, started out, the subject was compliant things took a turn when he radioed for backup because the guy started getting kind of squirrely. He radioed for backup, the guy shoved off of him and ran. So he pursued the subject, Um, he kept reaching in in the front pockets where um after the frisk Cody had felt a hard object before he radioed for backup. And so um as the subject was running and he kept reaching into that front pocket, Cody wasn't sure of his safety or the safety of others. So as he was pursuing him, um he did tase him several times. The taser was ineffective. Um so he followed that use of force continuum as he was trained. He he pursued him. He tased him. He used the baton when the taser was ineffective. He continued to pursue the subject um, as the subject was um, yelling profanities and um, not compliant. They get on a porch. The subject grabbed a steel-enforced extended paint pole and came at Cody with it. At that point, he had done everything in his training, um, non-lethal force-wise, to try to subdue the subject. It was not working. And now he's armed himself with a weapon that could incapacitate him and grant him access to his, his weapons and his vehicle that was still running. And so he was put in a situation where he had to defend himself and keep the community safe. So he drew his weapon and fired on the subject and the subject as a result, um, died from that.
0: So, uh, this was like three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Correct. Yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, what part of Montgomery uh, was this in? I used to live there, I, uh, 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 but I lived out on the east side of the city. But I worked at Maxwell Air Force Base, and there were some pretty rough areas on the south side of the base. Yes, uh, this. Uh, so west I'm wondering side. where this was on the west side. Yeah. Yes, There's sir. some rough areas out there too. I mean, the commanders at Maxwell would warn us, you know, give warnings. Hey, you know, you know, watch what you're doing and where you're going. Uh, at certain times of the day, like, you know, early hours of the morning, two o'clock in the morning is, is never a good time. But, uh, if you're in the wrong area, uh, you could really get hurt. So, uh, and, uh, you said he didn't, uh, he didn't respond to tasing, uh, from what I, what I read, I think your husband tased him three or four times. Uh, yes, sir. uh, did he have drugs in his body? Uh, did the autopsy show anything?
1: Yes. So he had metabolized cocaine as well as active cocaine in his system. So he was an avid um, crack cocaine user. And I think that that played a factor in later after everything, um, the crime scene and everything was um, cold over. They did find um, drug paraphernalia. And I think he knew that Cody was going to find that drug paraphernalia on him and he didn't want to go to jail. And so he resisted what I would assume was, would be for that reason.
0: Yeah. And, uh, the house that they were on the front porch of it, this is two or three o'clock in the morning. Uh, and the guy has, has, you know, resisted arrests and everything. Uh, it wasn't his house, right. Or there were other people, were there other people in that house?
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so there, it was a neighbor's home. So the subject did live in the neighborhood that this happened in. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of running to, his porch, he ran to the neighbor's porch. Um, so I feel like that was uh, speculation, of course, feel like that was kind of a premeditated thing. He probably knew there was something on that porch he could use, um, as a weapon toward my husband. And so, um, but yes, the, the neighbors were home at the time of the shooting and, um, it was, but it was not his home.
0: Okay. Well, well, let's take a look at the media coverage of the charging uh, when your husband was charged. Just go uh, play clip one for us.
2: A white police officer in Southern Alabama is facing murder charges. Montgomery police officer Aaron Smith was arrested on Wednesday and charged in the shooting death of a black man, Gregory Gunn.
3: The Montgomery District Attorney, Dale Bailey, informed us that the State Bureau of Investigation believe that it had established probable cause to arrest one of Montgomery's police officers, A.C. Smith, in the tragic death of
4: Gregory
2: Gunn. 58-year-old Gunn was shot and killed outside a neighbor's home after 3 a.m. on February 25th. This neighbor says he heard the gunshots.
0: We he heard banging on the door, which was my neighbor. He just bambering and calling my name for dear life. Carving, 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 carving louder and louder every time he called, and there's bamming on the door. You know, I, I took my hat to him because we do need him. I just want to know if the protocol is to shoot an unarmed man down dead in front of somebody's house anytime they feel like it.
2: The district attorney didn't say what evidence led to the murder charge. Smith's attorney says Smith was working alone in a high crime area and that gun had fled. Smith is being held on $150,000 bond. Sandy Kozum the Associated Press
0: now the beginning of that coverage is factual you know uh, but but what do you guys think uh, uh, I'm sure you've talked about a lot of this coverage uh, between the two of you and your attorneys and everything uh, what's your perspective on that coverage uh, from that uh, initial news coverage of the charging
1: I think it's really interesting and um, that it notes that SBI felt like there was enough probable cause to charge him with this crime. Let's back up and try to understand the fact that only a few days had passed from the shooting to the time that they were charging him with this crime. You can't tell me that in a matter of 72 hours, that there was enough time for them to gather enough evidence to ever even assume that this was some sort of murder situation. You also have to take into consideration the protocol now that's been changed. They're not even allowed to interview these officers um, within that time frame anymore in these situations. Um, So I just think, you know, and now being aware of so many things that were happening behind closed doors, you had um, people in the department and people at SBI and all through the city of Montgomery fighting with each other. Because you had people who were in the political side of things trying to make these decisions that they knew that some of the other people in the department knew were wrong to try to make an example out of Cody, and so they're butting heads and they're fighting and they're but they, it's a situation where once the decision was made, regardless of if it was a right decision or a wrong decision, um, once their political claws were sunk in so deep, there was nothing anyone could do. Um, to fix it. And so we ended up in a situation where we're fighting against powers that be, you could say, um, to try to get him out of the situation he should have never been in because there were people who, investigators who told him, you followed your use of force training, you followed the protocol, Uh and this was a clean shoot. So you have investigators telling him it's a clean shoot, and then you have within a matter of a couple days, you have them arresting him for murder. Like that's just... That's not the way that things should be. It's wrong. Right. And and they knew it was wrong. And once they made the decision to do it, they had to go, you know, they had to follow through with what they decided to do. I don't think anybody saw it getting um, to the point that it has gotten to. And I think the prosecutors and I think the mayor at the time and I think everyone involved, um, I think they know they're wrong. And I think that they have had to fight almost just as hard, if not harder, than we have to Essentially, even believe their own lies. I think it's just um, it's been quite the battle.
0: Yeah, I, I- think uh, uh, one of the questions that I had uh, listening to you and, and reading uh, up on the incident uh, was the SBI. Why was the State Bureau of Investigation involved? Uh, and I'm assuming that the investigators that told Cody that uh, that it was a clean shoot were. Uh, were the internal affairs folks that investigated him from the police department or, or where, where, where were those guys from?
1: It would have been SBI. So, um, anytime there's an officer involved shooting, you have investigators, um, SBI just automatically in our state gets involved. Um, the department to start out Montgomery police department, um, was feigning support. And then, it changed, uh, the climate, I guess, kind of changed to start. I mean, there were even social media posts in the beginning with the chief standing with Cody and saying, you know, we support our officers. Um, Mm -hmm. that was a lie obviously. So,
0: yeah. Well, one of the other things that jumped out at me about that coverage was the neighbor, uh, the fact that they even aired his statement that, uh, uh, that he wants to know why, you know, uh, a policeman can just come up on your back on my front porch in the middle of the night and and shoot down an unarmed man. For them to uh, for them to air that uh, that speculation like that uh, in these times uh, is pretty incredible, really. Especially when we see them hold information uh, back on things like, uh, you know, well, the manifesto for the trans terrorist that killed. The, six uh, people at a Christian school up in Nashville a few weeks ago. Uh, You know, the media, the big media is trying to hold that back. Uh, The police department and the FBI are holding it back. Uh, But uh, so to air something like that just really surprised me, especially before trial, because this this report was about the charging of your husband. Uh, uh, That's a big indicator of the political climate, I think, that the uh, police department leadership saw themselves in.
1: Well, and I think that that specific testimony is really interesting because the responding officers that came when Cody was laying on the ground, pulling his uniform and his vest and everything off because he was having a panic attack because he had just had to make a split second decision no officer wants to make. He was not unaffected by this. When they found him, when they showed up, he was laying on the ground Um he couldn't breathe. It wasn't something he was, you know, um, it wasn't like they made it seem like it was, but that the responding officers actually had to knock on to wake up the resident at that house. They they had to knock on the door and try to get the resident to come out. And the resident had been, um, obviously sleeping. Um, it's not that the, it's not like the resident had come out and tried to get involved and like you know, also ended up in a scuffle or in some sort of altercation with Cody. If you were awake and you heard all of that, wouldn't you have been out there with them as it was happening, you know, but to say that that's how things happened and then the responding officer's testimony to be that they had to wake you up, um, let's try to, let's be honest about what really took place and don't get on the news making it something that it wasn't.
0: Oh, exactly right. Uh, And uh, we've got to take a break, Ashley. But when we come back from the break, uh, I want to get your story about this long trail uh, to a trial uh, that's uh, just the wrong way to be in the United States of America with a justice system where uh, a speedy trial is supposed to be guaranteed. All right, Disco, let's go to the first break.
3: Love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere, watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi Fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish you. Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome back to The Rob Mana Show, live now on the Red Voice Media Network, and it's Truth Thursday. Uh, and again, we are uh, talking about a police officer's life uh, that has been uh, in the process of being absolutely crushed and destroyed based on what appears to be political charges. Uh, Officer Cody Smith's uh, wife, Ashley, is uh, my guest today. Uh, and I know, I know this is hard for you. Ashley and uh, uh, I, I do want to mention that uh, the Pipe Hitter Foundation, uh, Chief Eddie Gallagher, uh, retired Navy Chief uh, and Navy Seal uh, organization, is supporting you all. Uh, that's how I found out found out about your story. So we're very grateful that Chief Gallagher uh, and his team continue to support uh, folks that are that are really uh, uh, meeting uh, injustice in America's justice system these days. And speaking of injustice, uh, you know, the Constitution of the United States guarantees every citizen a right to a speedy trial, uh, and uh, uh, it looked like it took several years to get to trial. What's the story behind that?
1: So I I think that there were a lot of hearings and things that took place. You have officer immunity. Um, that's an option as well, and so there were a lot of we were trying to do a change of venue. So there are a lot of different things that, that made a difference in the timing of how everything happened. Um, There were different hearings. And then whenever a ruling is is made in a hearing and we don't agree with it, then we appeal that. Um, And so we had a situation where there were a lot of different things happening that before trial. And then once all of those hearings and different things were exhausted, then it was, trial was set. Uh, The change of venue was more or less to get out of the WSFA viewing area to be in a more, um, I guess an impartial, you could say, um, area where people weren't as, I guess, aware of the story or maybe have already preconceived opinions about it. So that way the jury pool would be a little more impartial. And so we had to wait for that change of venue, which was originally denied, and then uh, we pushed it on up. It ended up at the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court granted the change of venue, and that's when trial was set.
0: Well, yeah, when you see media coverage, like what we showed in the first segment, uh, you know, if they're airing that kind of stuff before the trial, uh, and that is local coverage, folks, uh, uh, that they had to change the venue out of, uh, that really does taint the jury pool quite frankly. And, uh, but we're seeing that more and more where judges are denying changes of venue, even though it's obvious, like what's happening in Washington DC with the January six political prisoners. uh, None of them have had a change of venue approved, even though that is the most despicably political uh, uh, opposition jury pool you could have in the United States. So, uh, well, I'm glad that uh, they got to, that was when your husband went, did eventually go to trial, what was the charge that went to trial?
1: Murder. He went so to trial he, for murder.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So he went to trial uh, for murder. Uh, and uh, I've got a news clip uh, about the guilty verdict. Let's play clip two, Disco.
5: An Alabama police officer has been convicted in the killing of an unarmed black man. Welcome back, I'm Renata DiGregorio, in for Mary. Cody Smith was convicted of manslaughter in the 2016 shooting death of Greg Gunn. Smith resigned from the Montgomery Police Department. Jennifer Horton has been covering the trial.
6: A majority white jury, half men, half women in Dell County, one of the state's most conservative judicial circuits, convicted a Montgomery police officer for unjustified use of lethal force.
4: Once this jury heard the evidence in this case, they came to the right conclusion
6: the jury chose to convict cody smith after hearing from a dozen witnesses including the defendant himself over the course of three days
4: but what tarnishes police officers is when you have a bad apple such as this defendant who gave so many inconsistent statements, so many different statements about what happened that night.
6: Montgomery District Attorney Darrell Bailey told the jury an NPD officer's testimony was not forthcoming and questioned whether the victim was ever armed with a paint pole before the shots were fired.
4: The victim had a hat in his hand at the time of his death, and um, he was clenching to that hat impossible to do the things that this defendant said he did.
6: The defense says it will be part of their appeal.
4: We're going to look at the conspiracy theory that the
7: district attorney has made that a group of Montgomery police officers conspired to alter the crime scene and uh, basically aid and abet in a homicide.
6: The defense will also seek an appeal bond that will allow Smith to be out of prison while his case is pending before an appellate court.
7: not happy with the jury's verdict, and he intends to fight for his name
0: um,
3: and his freedom.
2: No date is set yet for his sentencing.
0: Now, there's a lot to unpack uh, in that little clip, uh, Ashley. Uh, uh, First of all, uh, your husband wasn't convicted of murder, was he?
1: No, sir. Heat of passion, manslaughter.
0: Heat of passion, manslaughter. Uh, Now, Just the name of that uh, makes me wonder if if the same situation that I've seen in another Alabama case uh, that we've covered uh, here in the last few months uh, might exist here. Uh, Was he not tried as a police officer that's trained and and using uh, self-defense based on his training and policies in place uh, and the jury properly instructed about that or?
1: Um, he was, uh, they were aware that he, he was a police officer. I think that, um, the problem that we, the biggest issue were when the lesser included charge, I think they knew obviously that he was not guilty of murder because he did not get convicted of murder. I think that when the lesser included came in, the jury didn't really understand what they were being instructed to do. Uh, They didn't really understand the nature of the charges and what those charges meant. Um, And the reason I'm saying that is they did ask for help during deliberation. They said, we don't really understand. Uh, Can you explain this to us again? And the judge said, it's been explained to you. Here's the law book. You can figure it out. And so they fell, I think, on what they considered maybe the safer choice. Some of them were overheard saying things like, oh, he'll just lose his job. Uh, They didn't really understand what they were doing. And we even had a juror reach out to us after the fact and say, I'm not going to use any names, but, and say that they have regretted decision that was made from the day that it happened until the day that they were messaging me that they think about it often and they don't think that the right decision was made that day.
0: Did they explain to you why uh, why they think the decision was wrong?
1: There was some, There was a lot of confusion. I don't think that they really knew um, the whole beyond a reasonable doubt. If he acted in self-defense, if you think in any way, if there's any doubt that he acted in self-defense, you cannot charge him or convict him of this crime. And as clearly as that was explained, I think there was great confusion. And I think that they they felt like they were making a safe choice and um, or what they would... And maybe be less um, inclined to. I do think that there were there was a lot of showboating done by the DA. There was a lot of there were a lot of things yeah. said that were not true. There were a lot of things that happened that shouldn't have happened, um, and I'm not going to go into detail because we are still in the middle of um, some legal stuff, and I don't I don't want to give too much away. But there were things that happened that shouldn't have taken place, and This whole bad apple um, garbage that he puts out there is at the end of the day, you cannot in any way put yourself as a law enforcement officer in a situation where if you've never been in law enforcement and even those who have been in law enforcement you can't perceive how something was perceived by the officer that was going through it at the time and if you grab a pole and you come at someone with a large metal or steel enforced painters pole if if you get in a you know six by six space with someone swinging at their head with a pole you can't tell me there's not a threat there or that there's not a possibility of his life being in jeopardy. And so what happened was he tried to take this angle that they're never, that they planted, as you heard at the end, that there was some conspiracy or something. He was having a panic attack. Like when those other officers arrived, he wasn't planning evidence, he couldn't breathe. You know what I mean? Like this is Mm -hmm. not, there is no room for speculation here. And at the end of the day, when when the subject was shot, he had the, it wasn't instantly killed. So the pole was in his hand, and he's shot, and he drops the pole, and he grabs his head. You can't tell me that as he's falling, if he doesn't grab his head, that he couldn't have a hat in his hand. Like, come on, come yeah. on, you know. And the, yeah. and there were forensics had, there were paint chips from that pole in his hands. And so there was two, there was so much confusion that was thrown in there by the prosecution and there was truth and there were lies and it muddied things up and the jury just didn't know what to do. And at the end of the day, they didn't understand the gravity of the decision that they were making.
0: Yeah. The he the reason I asked the original question in this segment about uh, the instructions to the jury about a police officer uh, defending himself in a situation based on his training and the policies that he's uh, supposed to be following is that, uh, is that if the it's a totally different standard mm-hmm. that has to be met uh, be uh, that's, that leads to beyond a reasonable doubt uh, to convict a guy uh, or, or a gal that's a police officer when they're defending themselves on a professional response based on their training uh, and, and this investigative team's already told him that he did what he was trained to do. It was a good shoot, uh, you know, uh, and that he followed all the policies that were in place. Uh, so it just puzzles me, this heat of passion manslaughter charge. Uh, it's confusing to me uh, because it doesn't sound like you something that you're going to charge a police officer with that's do, in, the, in the process of doing their duty.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think it was a desperate in game situation where the prosecution just threw in this random felony Mm -hmm. charge, knowing that the jury would land more than likely land in that safe zone. And so, um, the charge doesn't make sense, you know? I mean, it just, it really, it really doesn't. And the inconsistencies in the story, I just want to touch on that really fast.
0: Let's, uh, let, us, let us take a break and then we'll okay. come back to that because uh, the next segment we're going to focus on the appeal uh, and I've got a little clip to show and everything uh, and we'll talk exactly about what you want to talk about. Okay, so let's take that break. I'm Rob Manis.
3: It's a crazy world out there, and we're facing more uncertainty than our country has faced in a long time, if ever. And the most important advice that we can give you and your loved ones is be prepared. Most people don't realize they need something until it's too late, whether it's a natural disaster, a sustained power outage, political upheaval, or, God forbid, war. You need to be prepared. Don't put yourself in that situation. Have food and water on hand to provide for you and your loved ones during the worst of times, and then pray you never need it thankfully we have just the solution for you heaven's harvest has everything you need to prepare for the unexpected you get prepared and you support a pro-america christian company that shares your values at the same time everyone wins and the best news is you also get discounts on emergency survival foods heirloom vegetable seed kits water filtration and storage kits and loads of other survival resources such as guides on how to grow and preserve your foods so get ahead be prepared and survive with a company that shares your values and we have you covered with great discounts go to heavensharvest.com and use promo code rvm to save 10 percent. again that's heavensharvest.com and use promo code rvm to save 10 percent on your order
0: back to The Rob Manus Show live here on Red Voice Media Network, and this is where you can come to get the facts and the truth, Uh, so much so that I've dedicated the theme of my Thursday show to Truth Thursdays uh, uh, because the corporate media is not giving you the truth. Uh, They're firing people that try to tell the truth to you like they did to Tucker Carlson, and then they try to muzzle them. Uh, I think they're uh, giving him a lawsuit now because he had his first episode on Twitter, which is, as of this morning, above 105 million views in less than 48 hours. So uh, they're all afraid that the truth is going to get out there. But you can come to Red Voice Media Network and the Rob Mana Show and all of our shows to get the facts and the truth and make up your own mind on what's really going on in your country and around the world. And we're talking to Uh, Ashley Smith today, the wife of Officer Cody Smith, uh, who has been politically charged and convicted in another uh, uh, shooting incident where an officer has had to use their weapon and use deadly force uh, because of what the criminal or the suspect uh, was doing uh, and uh, followed their policy, followed their training, uh, but was still charged with murder, convicted of another charge, a lesser charge but still convicted and sentenced to 14 years in prison. Uh, It's incredible uh, what has happened to this young man and his family. And actually, before we went to the break, you were talking about inconsistencies uh, in the whole process. Uh, And I wanna show this clip uh, of the reporting on the sentencing uh, and the appeals plans from, uh, from your husband's attorney. Go ahead, just go with clip A former
7: Montgomery police officer is sentenced to prison for a deadly on-duty shooting.
5: Cody Smith said he was acting in self-defense when he used a lethal force, killing Greg Gunn
2: in 2016.
7: Smith had stopped Gunn in the early morning hours for a field interview in a West Montgomery neighborhood. When the altercation was over, Gunn was dead. Smith was convicted of manslaughter in November. WSFA 12 News reporter Jennifer Horton was at today's sentencing hearing.
6: Nearly four years after Greg Gunn's death, Cody Smith, the on-duty officer who pulled the trigger, sentenced to 14 years in prison. The state, along with Gunn's family, made an emotional plea for the judge to hand down 20 years, the maximum punishment for manslaughter.
5: He was a human being with people that loved him, but frankly, I wanted the defendant to hear that. I still don't think he gets the fact that he did something not just wrong, but terribly wrong. And I wanted to somehow be able to affect him and let him know he snuffed out a human life that meant something to somebody.
6: Smith apologized to the gun family, acknowledging he didn't want to kill their brother.
7: He believes he's still innocent and he believes he still operated that night within the boundaries of his sworn duties as a police officer.
6: The defense is seeking a new trial. Their appeal will center around what they call a conspiracy theory introduced by the state during closing arguments.
7: He claimed that there appears to be a conspiracy to stage or alter the crime scene by police officers who arrived on the scene.
4: There's a strong inference from the evidence that a paint roller was conveniently placed by the body of Mr. Gunn.
6: The state told jurors Gunn was holding a hat in his hand after he was shot, questioning the defendant's claim that Gunn swung at him with a paint roller.
4: There are no appealable issues.
6: The defense is seeking an appeal bond, something the state strongly opposes.
7: An appellate attorney standing by to pursue this case. It is not over with.
6: The judge is expected to rule on this motion soon. Jennifer Horton, WSFA 12 News.
7: Tonight, it remains unclear whether Smith will be immediately transitioned to the state corrections department or remain in a local jail for the.
0: Now, actually, uh, you mentioned those inconsistencies or throughout that reporting there, which again is is uh, uh, it's surprising the hyperbole that's being uh, being put on the air uh, by some of these officials, uh, uh, especially considering the, the charge that your husband was actually convicted on. Uh, uh, and, uh, and the fact that there are all these inconsistencies, I mean, I can pick them out, uh, but you had some specific ones in mind before we went to the break. Go, go ahead. Uh, uh, what are they and, uh, what are the plans to address them?
1: What I was really concerned about was that in the, in the previous news clip, not the one we just showed where, um, the prosecutor was speaking on the inconsistencies in Cody's um, testimonies that he shared. I wanted to make sure that that didn't, anybody that saw that didn't think, because I didn't touch on that topic and I didn't want anyone Mm -hmm. to think that there was a situation where he was lying or trying to be inconsistent intentionally. So they interviewed him immediately after the shooting then they, they interviewed him. He went home and he showered and he slept. They interviewed him again. And then they interviewed him again. And as all of this time, and there's, there are forensic experts and use of force and trauma experts who discuss you know, when someone is met with that sort of trauma as they sleep and as time goes on, they start to remember things, little details or little things differently. Right. The fundamentals of his Testimony stayed the same. The guts of what happened stayed the same. But if he ever remembered something different than how he originally told it, he was fully transparent. He would he would come back and he would say, you know, I, I mentioned that this happened this way, and you know, after sleeping and after you know processing the event, I remember that maybe you know this little this little detail happened differently, or, um, I left this part out or, you know what I mean? It was never, it was never the, the stop, what happened at the stop, um, the use of force that he had, the taser, the baton, the fact that he grabbed a pole, all of those things, those, those fundamental, parts of what happened, those stayed consistent. So I just didn't yeah. want there to be a, mis, a misunderstanding that he was all over the place in his testimony because that is not the case at all. So I just want well, to clear.
0: Yeah, and, and the DA, that's exactly the point that he's trying to, uh, the picture he's trying to paint, not in a courtroom, uh, but in the media. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that's my issue with uh, and why I wanted to show these clips and get your take on them, because. Because uh, I'm disgusted by this media coverage and even more disgusted by, uh, by the district attorney and his assistant uh, and those kind of folks putting political hyperbole into their comments. Uh, when we're talking about a professional police officer uh, who has, uh, ha- has had to do something that none of us want to do. Look, I served in the military for over 30 years, and, and I know decisions I made and actions that I took killed people uh including people that wasn't intended uh to kill uh you know and uh and I've been through traumatic experiences and and, I, and you're exactly right as time goes by and you sleep you rest you uh you you're able to review what happened you you remember things uh that you might not have remembered the right way the very first time when you ever talk about it uh you know and uh, uh, so yeah, it's just very disgusting uh, what they're trying to do to Cody. Uh, and look, I get it. We don't want bad apple police officers out there. But officers like Cody Smith don't want those kind of officers either. I mean, I looked at the record, uh, uh, and uh, and he uh, and that's why he would apologize for having to take Mister Gunn's life because that's the kind of human being he is. Number one, and and. Police officers don't go out, uh, the good ones don't go out every day thinking, man, I'm going to take somebody's life today. As a matter of fact, many of them go through decades without without ever drawing their firearm uh, for an official reason other than training. Well, and
1: that's the thing is, especially in Cody's story, you know, he had been on the force for several years. If he was the type of person who was just this malicious monster, bad apple police officer, he wouldn't have worked in this specific city that's rampant with crime for as long as he did with no other prior issues. You know what I mean? And then yeah. there were situations he had been in before where he was in a very volatile situation with a subject that he could have drawn his weapon and defended himself in prior situations and didn't. Um, he was able to take care of the situation without it getting that far. Um, so I just that's what's frustrating to me is his character, you know, other than the conviction and other than the fact that he's in prison while I'm raising our daughters, other than that, his character has been demolished by this and he's a good man and he was an outstanding police officer and it's just not fair. Yeah, Uh,
0: It's not fair and it's not professional. uh, And quite frankly, it's unethical in my opinion uh, uh, for the folks that are in official capacity speaking as a, is officials in this process, in an official capacity, are applying this character assassination uh, type language, political hyperbole. It's just, it's just really unprofessional, unethical, and it's dishonorable. Really, is what we would call it in the military. Uh, so, uh, so you've been through the appeal process. You're still in the appeal process. Tell, tell the audience uh, uh, what has happened with the appeals, because uh, I know there's been several steps.
1: So, uh, it is a bit of a process. The initial appeal was filed. The Court of Criminal Appeals denied that appeal, Um, so we pushed it up to the Alabama Supreme Court. The the Alabama Supreme Court didn't come back until December, um, in which they did deny his appeal, but with that language that you used in the beginning, basically saying, we're not giving you what you're asking for, but we can see why you need relief. We can see that you deserve post-conviction relief. They said this has been the most astonishing failure that they've seen in a criminal case. Um, And they suggested that we file a rule 32 against our representation. There were things that should have been discussed and things that should have been done differently during trial that that weren't. And so they suggested that we Um, exhaust that option. And so that's what we're in the middle of doing now. And so we are currently in the litigation phase of that rule 32. Our attorney is um, working on the, the meat of it, getting it typed up and um, ready to file.
0: Yeah. I I, I was just stunned to hear that the Supreme court's uh, justices, uh, said that uh this was a case of clear self-defense and and uh, uh they couldn't understand how properly instructed jury could have convicted him and it's the most astonishing failure uh of uh, they've ever seen in a criminal case that 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 is a stunning comment
1: yes and he's still sitting in prison so
0: yes he's still sitting make, in prison
1: make sense of that for me because it doesn't make sense
0: Oh, it doesn't make sense. That's why I wanted to have you on and tell this story, Ashley, because, uh, you know, uh, Cody has you and three daughters, correct? That's right. Is that right? Uh, So he's a dad, uh, in addition to being a public servant, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Americans deserve better than this. Uh, uh, Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, the, uh, is there a place where folks can go to help you? Do you have a website or a social media uh, where they can reach out, uh, and, uh, help you guys out or just read more about the, uh, the story?
1: If they would like to visit, uh, pipehitterfoundation.org, pipe they can view Cody's story in length on there. Um, see some pictures, you know, of our family and him, yeah. you know on the job and stuff and so uh pipeitterfoundation.org has his information um out there as well as a donation for legal funds um on his story as well.
0: Well thank you very much. Uh we appreciate you You are, you all are in our prayers and uh uh as I said uh, uh we will do starting with this show getting the word out getting people to support you guys and uh, uh especially give prayers and and uh, messages of uh, compassion and, uh, and love uh, to, for Cody to get, uh, because it's got to be tough. Uh, and just remember, sometimes the trail to justice is long, winding, and, and broken, uh, but someday we'll get justice for him and you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you, and I appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, I'm Rob Manis, uh, Red Voice Media Network. We've got to take our last break here, but I'll be right back, and we'll talk about what the hell is happening in the justice system of the United States.
5: Welcome to Reagan Gold Group. We're glad you're here. We understand that you're probably feeling the pain of rising inflation and are worried about how it may be affecting your hard-earned savings. Thanks to H.R. 5376 passed by President Biden, many 401k and IRA savers are facing a nightmare. Governments are printing fiat currency at an alarming rate, which means that the value of your savings is being eroded day by day. However, there is a way to escape wealth confiscation. Precious metals such as gold does not depreciate over time and is a sound investment that keeps on growing. Physical gold is not subject to fraud, and as inflation rises, so does the price of gold. It's an investment product that is renowned for its ability to hedge against inflation. I'm Leith Eaton, the Senior Account Executive here at Reagan Gold Group. We offer 100% free IRA rollovers with free storage, maintenance and insurance for up to three years on qualified orders we understand that your financial needs and goals may change over time which is why we offer a hassle-free buyback commitment this allows you to sell your precious metals any day anytime at the current market value whether you're looking to cash in on your investment diversify your portfolio or simply need some extra cash our buyback commitment is here to support you. We offer a price match guarantee to ensure you get the best price for your precious metal investments. Contact us before making a purchase and we'll beat any competitor's price. We also understand the importance of the safe and secure shipping of your metals. That's why we fully ensure all orders shipped to our customers with signature required. Book a free consultation with us now to learn how you can invest in precious metals and hedge your financial future. And for a limited time, we're offering up to $2,500 in free gold and silver. Don't miss out on this limited opportunity. Contact us today to take advantage of this amazing offer.
0: Welcome back to The Rob Manus Show, live here on the Red Voice Media Network, where you can get the facts and the truth instead of a propaganda narrative from some government corporate media uh, mouthpiece. And quite frankly, we have got to uh, get back to that as quickly as possible. That's why all these independent media outlets are springing up, and I encourage you to go to Red Voice Media Network uh, on Rumble and subscribe and share the show uh, you can also find my shows on all my social media channels uh, uh, and uh, everything except for Facebook is at Rob Manus. Uh, and Facebook is at col Rob Manus is our fan page uh, uh, you can get the shows that are uh, uh, linked to websites there and you can get them live uh, we broadcast the show live to all of those channels uh, so if you've been used to getting the show there you can get it now live Monday through Thursday at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern for one hour. And we're talking about justice today and what the hell is wrong with the American justice system. Uh, we'll just go play clip four here. I think this will give people a little bit more insight.
8: I don't know who wants to come to a city like Austin, be told to go out there, swear an oath to protect and defend this community protect the people and the lives of this community, protect the property of this community, only to go out there and do just that, to be told, you know what, we're gonna indict you and potentially put you away for the rest of your life in prison. So this war on policing is real. They couldn't get away with defunding us, so now they're trying to indict us. The allegations being made against me by Jose Garza is uh, aggravated assault um, with a deadly weapon by a public servant, a uh, first degree felony, which carries a life uh, potential life sentence. We were responding to a riot. You know, people throwing Molotov cocktails at us, bottles, frozen water bottles, bottles filled with urine, bottles filled with gasoline, and they're engaging in in criminal activity by obstructing the passage road that goes to the main hospital. So no, we weren't, our actions were not unlawful by any means at all. We were responding to the behavior and the actions of those that were out there committing crimes, breaking the law, and refusing the numerous warnings that were given to them um, to, to disperse. This is the largest you know case of batch of pushed indictments of officers first time ever in american history and again that makes you ask yourself why it's politically motivated this has nothing to do with justice has nothing to do with any doing. this is simply about politics and a political agenda that's taking place with these radical uh liberal uh, district attorneys i mean look at what's taking place is happening during a primary right now it's messing with my election it's it's you know Granted, I've been a very outspoken critic of his for all the radical stuff he's doing, letting violent criminals back on our streets, letting sex offenders, child molesters back on our streets. And so, yeah, I've been very vocal. He's had two years to go through and move forward with this, but he waits till right now, waits till a primary that's taking place to meddle in that. Um, You know, and I'm not going to be intimidated by that. This is a war on policing. I mean, look at it. And this has been going back, you know, here in Austin. This started back in 2017 with our radical liberal city council when they voted to withhold uh, our pay stipends. And then you see what's going on with taking our ability to uphold the law and enforce the law. You got judges that are no longer doing their duty in upholding law. They're releasing violent criminals. And it gets frustrating. You know, you have, you talk to business owners, you talk to victims and they're like, I call y'all, but you don't come. I call you, but you can't do anything. It's hard to hear. No wonder people are frustrated you can't blame them. You can't blame them for getting frustrated. Look at our homicide rates. They're through the roof right now. And you look at anywhere George Soros has planted his one of his DAs in there, it's gone to chaos and destruction. You know, Austin wants you to be this great thriving town where young adults from across the country love to come to because it's a vibrant entertainment district, great food, uh, just very kind people. And now look at, you got homeless issues through, through the roof, trash and garbage all over the green belts and the waterways, crimes running rampant, people no longer feel safe, businesses are shutting down, community members are moving out of the town, yeah, it is an impact. And now look at, and, and look at what's left. Take out the policing. The war on policing is coming next because we're in their way uh, from upholding the Constitution. We're in their way from creating anarchy and destroying this town. So if they can't defund us and get rid of us that way, now they're going to try and depolice us by sending us to prison and indicting us. Everyone's watching this. Every cop right now in the United States of America is watching what's taking place. Because if it's happening here, it very well could happen there, too.
0: compelling. If you are not uh, concerned about the uh, attack on policing and the dual track justice system that we now have in the United States of America, you must be living under a damn rock people. Officer Smith's incident happened in 2016. It took three years to get to trial and it was still a political charge because of all this crazy fake racism issues that have been raised ever since Barack Obama was in office. So the races are divided more than now than over any time over the last 60 years. And crime is rampant. You know, the Soros DA issue wasn't even an issue when Officer Smith's charges were first met. So, can you imagine what it would be like today? He would probably they would probably have tried to lynch him in public. If that incident happened today. And they do. Just like you heard from that gentleman uh, in Austin. They do. We have an upside-down justice system and government here in the United States, all the way down to the local level in many cases. And we are in grave danger. I'm sending a warning to you today. This country is in grave danger. The Federal Department of Justice is about to indict the former president of the United States on trumped-up charges. They've been trying to get the man or his family for since 2015 or even earlier when he first decided to run for office. And it's not just the people in the Democrat Party. You're talking about uh Uh, government, civil service, personnel that believe they're the rulers in this country instead of us, the people. Something's got to be done, because we're in the most dangerous situation I've seen in my lifetime, and I was born in 1961, so, you know, in my lifetime includes the assassination of John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King... Still had Jim Crow law and segregation and those kinds of things uh, being followed and implemented uh, when when I was a child. Uh, But today, with this double standard dual track justice system and this attack on law enforcement officers and crime is so rampant uh, and criminals being rolled up. They get arrested and they're back out on the street. And we're talking about violent criminals. I'm not talking about somebody uh, that uh, got in trouble, mouthed off at a police officer during a protest or trespassed. Unless you're a January 6th political prisoner, then you're going to be in jail before your trial for several years. And then get 18 years if you even just for saying something, uh, if they get you for the seditious conspiracy charge. Well, Prepare yourselves. Uh, The indictment of Donald J. Trump is coming. Uh, They will be trumped up charges, and they're putting the United States of America and this republic in grave danger. And I am one angry veteran because I spent my life supporting and defending the Constitution, and they are using it in ways that was never intended by a government that is now not the government that was established under the Constitution by the states of the United States of America. Prepare yourselves. I'm Rob Maness, Red Voice Media Network. Fight for justice, true justice, no matter who's in the wrong and who's in the right. We all must fight for justice and it's got to be American justice every single day or we will lose this republic. Drew Berkus with This Is My Show and Booze and Banner are coming up next. And uh, I'll see you Monday. It's More War Monday. We've got the retired Colonel John Mills, former senior DOD official, to talk all about the impending, or not, shooting war with China over Taiwan. See you Monday.